Bibles today, and I trust that you do, if you can open with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. So Matthew chapter 6, if you don't, the verses will be on the screen. But this morning we are starting a new series that will take us until the end of the year, walking through some of the names of God found in Scripture. So knowing God by His personal name or names is one of the great privileges of us as followers of Christ. And God reveals himself to us, of course, through many different names all throughout the word of God. So no single name. There's not one name that can fully describe all that God is. In fact, God uses each and every name to reveal to us a different part of his character that we can know, that we can trust in. So shown in scripture, each of these names has great significance. In fact, the Bible is basically a window by which we can see his character. The Bible tells us that God is the most high God, that he is the possessor of heaven and earth, that he is the self-existent God, that he is the, the almighty one, the eternal one, that he is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. He's Jehovah Nisi, the Lord over our victory, our banner leading us into victory. He is the God who is here. He is the God who is there, and he is so much more. Yet that is Kind of not where we're going this morning. Instead, we're going to look at one line in a prayer that Jesus taught to his disciples. You might know it as the Lord's Prayer. I don't call it the Lord's Prayer. I believe the Lord's Prayer was John 17. I believe this was the model prayer that we're going to unpack. But let me begin today with a question. The question is this. At this moment, at this moment, what are you seeking or what are you desiring? So at this moment, what is your greatest desire when I think about that question another question arises which is this what should we be desiring so what are you desiring and what should we be desiring what should be the all-defining all-consuming desire of every heart in this room and the answer is according to the Bible should it not be for the name or names of God to be known to be cherished to be praised above every other reality in our lives, even above our families, as much of a gift that is to us, above our favorite TV shows or bands or football teams or whatever it might be, above our jobs, above our bank accounts, above our dreams, above our highest thoughts concerning our lives. God's name is to be higher. His name is to be greater. And yet... We'll never get to the bottom of who he is or be able to lift him high enough. I love the words of John Piper here concerning the greatness of God. He says this, I like to think of the biblical revelation of God as the tip of an iceberg floating in an ocean of mystery. Nine-tenths of God's majesty lies beneath the surface of revelation. And the tip of the iceberg revealed in Scripture is so high that it extends out of sight into the clouds beyond anyone's ability to comprehend it fully. Only a tenth of his character is given to us in this age for our contemplation. And even this is so great that we will never exhaust its riches. Meaning, whether it be now or for all of eternity, we will never come to the end of God. That's how great and majestic he is. Let me put it this way. If you were to put God and all that he is on the balance of a scale, and on the other side of that scale, you put every other thing in the universe. 
So all the water in the ocean, all the sand in the desert, every rock that makes up every mountain, all the nations of humanity, all the galaxies of the universe, every demon of hell, every angel of heaven, you put them on this side of the scale, all of those go up immediately because nothing compares to our God. Nothing compares to Him. And what we are about to see this morning, I pray, maybe in a fresh and new way, is that God, our God, is supremely passionate about the hallowing of his name. Meaning, he is so passionate about this that the Son of God teaches us in this model prayer to ask our Father in heaven to make his name holy in our lives. To make his name, to cause his name to be treated as holy. To cause his name to be set apart from all other names. God's name is to hold a unique position in our lives. And let me just give you a little illustration here. So in our homes, we many times we have dishes in the sink. We'll call them common dishes because they're dirty. So common dishes, dirty. Then in our regular cabinets, we have... Um, we have Excuse me, we'll call them profane dishes. I'm sorry. Profane dishes because they're dirty. Then we have common dishes in the cabinet. Common dishes are what we use. Some of you use, I just use paper plates, but some of us use those for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You'll use your common dishes. And then we have our sacred dishes. Some of you have your sacred dishes in another room, not even in the kitchen. And you have them locked behind glass in your dining room. And basically, nobody better ever touch them. They are for special occasions and special guests only. And the fact that you have never used them means you've never had a special guest or a special occasion in your home. But yet they are sacred and we must respect them. Well, here's the deal. In a much greater way, so much greater way, God's name is to occupy a unique position, not just in our hearts and in our lives, but in our world. So I want us to dive in this morning to this amazing section of Scripture where Jesus gives us this model prayer. And I want you to notice before we even read it that there are no, there are no singular pronouns here. There's no me, I, mine. This is our, what we're praying our and, and us. So I'm going to ask you, if you're able, let us stand as we honor God's word together. We're going to read verses 9 through verse 13. And it says this. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So let, let us pray. Father, we come right now in this moment to you, our holy God, asking you that you would cause your name to be treated as holy and set apart in our lives. That your name would not be profaned or just common, but would be sacred. That as we are about to walk through this series, looking at so many different revelations of your name that your word says those who know your name will put their trust in you so help us to come to trust you more and more and more 
Just speak, O oh God, in this time. Thank you that your word is living, it's powerful. Thank you that your spirit always attends your word. So Holy Spirit, work. In Jesus' name, amen, and you may be seated. So that phrase, hallowed be your name. When I was growing up, I had a tendency to view that just kind of as a statement, meaning that I would say that and then I would pray, oh God, you are awesome. Oh God, you are amazing. Oh God, you are incredible. And that would be the way I would kind of take what Jesus said and kind of contextualize it in my own life. And although that's true, God is awesome and amazing and incredible. That's not the format of this prayer. That phrase with the rest of them is a petition, not a proclamation. It's a request, not an announcement. So it's not just, oh God, your name is awesome. It's no, God, cause your name to be hallowed. Cause your name to be treated as holy. And what we have here are six requests that Jesus gives us. But here's the deal. All of them point back to that first request. Because it, it goes down, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom comes. So when his kingdom comes, his name will be hallowed. Your will be done. Well, when God's will is being done, his name is being treated as holy. Give us this day our daily bread. So as our needs are being met and we come to understand it is God who allows us to work and to do the things to meet our needs, we give him glory. As we come before God and ask him to forgive us of our sins, God is glorified. And as we say, lead us not into temptation, as we say, God, take my hand and lead me God is glorified. So there's a beautiful picture here. Therefore, we pray, God, do whatever it takes to be holy in my life. We pray, God, take your rightful place on the throne of my heart or pray this prayer this week. God, you be Lord and I'll be quiet. Pray that prayer this week. God, you be Lord and I'll be quiet. I'll be still, and I will know that you are God. But unfortunately, most of the time, listen, when we spend time praying, most of our prayers are spent asking God to hollow what we hollow, meaning we are asking God to set apart what we have set apart. We are asking God to do what we have declared as the most important thing, or most of our requests are focused on things that we want that we don't have or things that we have that we don't want. And it's like, so God, give me this, or God, please take this away, whatever that might be. But there is a greater way to pray. There is a greater prayer. But think about, think with me, by revealing God's name, God has made himself accessible to us, but God has also made himself vulnerable. And what I mean by that is this, not only can we call on his name in prayer, not only can we know his name, because God has revealed so many names, we have the opportunity to dishonor his name, to blaspheme his name. Let me give you a little backstory here. So the dishonoring of God's name was a central part of the problem of Israel in the Old Testament. They would not honor. They would not hallow God's name. So therefore, God allowed them to go into exile, away from the land that God had promised them. Now, once that happened, there was a greater problem. Because Israel, as God's nation, were now outside of God's land, meaning that God's people were dragging God's name through the mud. In fact, in Ezekiel, God tells his people, in Ezekiel 36, 20, you have profaned my holy name. God basically says, you have taken my name and you have drug it through the mud. 
by your own disobedience. I mean, think about this. We're praying that God would cause his name to be treated as holy. Well, why would we pray and ask God to make his name holy? Isn't God already holy? I mean, yes, God is more holy than we'll ever get to the bottom of. God cannot be any more holy than God already is. But follow with me. When we pray, hallowed be your name, we are praying out of a deep sense of awareness that God's name is honored far too little here. We're praying that God's name is, we're realizing God's name is honored far too little even in our own lives. To pray that God's name is to be honored is to acknowledge that it oftentimes isn't. And here's the problem. If I were to ask you what's the greatest thing that we need to be praying for as a church, we would probably come up with a, a ton of different answers. But Jesus would say, hallowed be your name. That we would pray for the hallowing of God's name in our lives. So therefore this morning, I want to show you that everything that God has ever done in history and the history of the universe has been done to advertise his beauty, his glory, his greatness, his splendor, or has been done for the hallowing of his name. And there are two realities, only two, but you're not going to get out any sooner. There are only two realities that I want us to unpack this morning when it comes to the hallowing of his name. The first is this, the goal of Christ's work in us. So what is the goal of Christ's work in us? And the goal is that his name would be hallowed. Now let me say this. If I were to ask you this morning, what is the primary goal of your salvation? What is the goal of your salvation? What's the goal of our salvation? If I were to ask you that, and your first answer would be, well, I can go to heaven one day, I would say, wrong. That is not the primary goal of your salvation. The primary goal of your salvation is for God to be glorified now and forever. That's the primary goal of your salvation and my salvation. God be glorified now and forever. And did you know that the, the designs of God, the work of God, are primarily about God making himself known? Or put it this way, our God is a God-centered God. So everything that God does, God does so that he might exalt himself. And when I say that, the second I say that, I know many of you, your hearts begin to rub the wrong way. So when I say that God lives to exalt himself, that God is a God-centered God, does that sound strange to you? Does that sound something like you're like, that, that sounds selfish to me. How can God be selfish? Let me give you a follow-up question. If it sounds selfish to you or weird to you that I would say that God lives to exalt himself, the follow-up question would be then this. Who else would you have God to exalt? Would you have God exalt you? Would you have God exalt me? Oh, God, never. Would you have God exalt some other human that will fail every step of the way? No. Listen, if God would exalt anybody other than himself, then he would not be God alone. And that's what makes him God alone is that he is exalted alone. We're going to read a verse in just a second about that about that reality, but that's what it means for God to be God, or put it a different way. Everything in the universe revolves around God out of necessity, meaning God must be, therefore we are. Or just think about this. Think about the sun, the center of our solar system. It has 330,000 times more mass than the earth. It has 1,100 times more mass than the second most massive thing in the solar system, which is Jupiter. Altogether, the sun has a 99.8% of all the mass in the solar system 
holding everything together with its irresistible gravitational pull. Therefore, if the sun could talk, and of course Psalm 19 says it can, more on that in just a second, but if the sun could talk, the most gracious and truthful thing that the sun could say is, it is for your good that I remain at the center. It's for your good that I remain at the center. Let me just say this. That is what God declares over our lives. It is for his glory, but also for our good that he remains at the center of it all. Oh, that we keep him at the center. Out of necessity, God must be the center. And then I love that throughout the word of God, there are 70 references to God saying, I am acting in this way for my name's sake. Each of them showing how God relates to, in response to his power, his holiness, his wonder, just who he is. So when God acts, he acts on his own behalf. And let me just give you three, three little pictures here. First of all, we were created for God's name's sake. We were created for God's name's sake. So think about the creation of the world as well as our own creation. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. So that is the, the heavens are declaring the greatness of the one who made them. Yet the word doesn't just stop with the creation of the universe. It also comes to us. In Isaiah 43, God said this. Isaiah 43.7, God said, Everyone who is called by my name, whom, hear this, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. So we are created for the glory of God. We are image bearers. In Genesis 1, God says to Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And in one standpoint, we interpret it by saying God was telling Adam and Eve, have babies, let them have babies, have a bunch of babies, they're going to fill the whole earth. But that's not the extent of what God was saying. It, it, don't stop there. What God was saying is, yes, be fruitful, multiply. But what God was saying is, fill the earth with the knowledge of me. As you go and as you fill the earth, fill the earth with my greatness. Fill the earth with the knowledge of me. We were created to show forth the glory of God. But then also we were saved for his name's sake. So we're saved for God's glory. Look on the screen, Psalm 79.9. It says, Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. So God, forgive us of our sins for your sake, for the sake of your name. We serve a God who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness towards us. Yet this God doesn't save us because we're more special than anyone else. And he doesn't save us to give us our best life now. He saves us to give us our best life, which is coming. And this God doesn't save us because we're good enough or because of what we bring to the table. He saves us because he is Savior. He saves us because he, Jesus is the only Savior of sinners in the world. But he saves us for his glory. We're saved for the glory of God. So we're created for his name's sake. We're saved for his name's sake. And then we're sanctified, meaning we are being set apart ourselves, being, becoming more and more like Jesus for his name's sake. Listen to Isaiah 48, 10 through 11. Listen to this verse from God. It says, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. 
for my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? And then God says this, my glory I will not give to another. Do you know that God won't share his glory with anyone? I always, I say I love, but I really despise when I, and I never watch them, but when I used to every so often turn on the, the award shows of these godless individuals, and the first thing they do is get up and thank God. And it's like, I, want to, I, well, I don't want to scream, I was screaming. God will not accept secondhand glory. God will not accept us living life the way we want it, and then when it turns out the way we want it, then we try to bring God into the occasion, and God says, I want no part of it. Because it's not about my glory, it's about yours. Therefore, I will share my glory with no one. And that's not getting many amens at all, but that is the God that we serve. That's who he is. And let me just say this. When you think about sanctification, what God's saying here is we are sanctified through difficulty, through affliction. Did you know that God had one son without sin? His name's Jesus. But God has never had a son or a daughter without suffering. Every child of God has suffered. We have been called on to suffer. Israel suffered. Jesus was a suffering servant. And we will be sanctified through difficulty, through messy, nasty, unwanted difficulty that we will have to go through in our lives. Yet that difficulty is a catalyst to us becoming more and more like Jesus. Or God allows difficulty so that we become more and more aware of our need for him. That we can't, he can. The goal of Christ's work is that his name would be glorified and exalted through his people, us. Several centuries before Christ came, Alexander the Great came out of Macedonia and Greece to conquer the Mediterranean world. And one of his, on one of his campaigns, Alexander the Great received a message that one of his soldiers had been basically continuously and and seriously misbehaving and shedding basically a bad light on all of the soldiers um, coming out of of Greece. So Alexander the Great sent word that he wanted to talk to this soldier. And when this young man arrived, Alexander the Great saw how young he was and heard his story. And Alexander the Great made up his mind, said, I'm going to have mercy on him. So getting ready to release him, Alexander the Great asked the young boy, what is your name? And the young boy said, Alexander, sir. Well, for some reason, you can imagine why, that ticked Alexander the Great off, and, uh, Alexander the Great off completely. And he, his voice raised to a higher decibel, and he screamed at the boy, what is your name? To which the boy began to have a little bit of fear and said, Alexander, sir. Alexander the Great then picked the boy up, threw him on the ground, stuck his finger in his face and said this, either change your conduct or change your name. To change your conduct or change your name. And let me just say this, and this might sound harsh for a second, but we need to hear harsh in church. There are some in this room or maybe watching online, you will at any moment whatsoever call yourself a Christian, a child of God. Yet, maybe God might be saying to you today, either change your conduct or stop calling yourself a Christian. If all you're doing is pursuing the things of this world, if all you're doing is trusting the things this world tells you to trust and change your conduct. As Christians, we are followers of Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. Christ follower. Are we doing that with our lives? Oh, to God that our lives would be about the hallowing of his name. So the goal of Christ's work in your life and my life, the hallowing of his name. But then number two, the goal of our worship of him. 
So the goal of what we do when we gather here, but not just here, the goal of worship when we go out into this world is that God's name would be hallowed, that God's name would be set apart. So Jesus is teaching us how to approach God and what to ask God for. Therefore, the first petition Jesus tells us to pray is, God calls your name to be set apart. Now, sometimes people use the, that word hallowed, and they, they use the phrase the the hallowed halls of Congress. And that has to be just a figure of speech because I don't know much that's sacred or holy about anything that happens in those halls. Or I think about Abraham Lincoln and the Gettysburg Address just a few months after the pivotal battle of the Civil War in 1863, standing on the same battlefield where so many men and blue and gray lost their lives, shed their blood. Lincoln said this, we cannot hallow, we cannot consecrate, we cannot or dedicate excuse me, this ground. So why could they not hallow or consecrate the ground? Because it was already hallowed. It was already sacred by the blood that was shed for those who fought and died. Again, to hallow something is to treat it as sacred, holy, worthy of the highest admiration that we could ever find in our lives. So the first thing Jesus tells us to do is to pray that God would do that in our hearts and in our lives, that God would remove from us indifferences. I don't want to chase rabbits, but did you know that I read an article this week where the number one issue of the church today, especially in America, is not atheists. Atheists aren't our number one issue the number one issue of the church today, and it exists in the church, are what's called apatheist, where apathy has just eaten us, and people say, I just don't care. I just don't care. And that's not just out in the world. It's invaded the church. And we live in this picture where, listen, we are called to give God our greatest. But just think about what we're desiring when we say, God calls your name to be hallowed. One pastor said this, we have not learned to pray the Lord's Prayer until we've learned to pray it against ourselves. Meaning, in order for me to say, God, cause your name to be hallowed, means I have to also pray, God, may, may you not make much of my name. May you make much of yours. Or to say, God, your kingdom come, is to say, I don't get to build my kingdom here. To say, your will be done, is to say, God, it's not about my will. Not, your, not my will, but yours be done. To say, God, give me bread today is to say that I'm dependent on you, God. I'm dependent on you with every breath that I take. In fact, if you did not give me the breath I just took, I wouldn't be here. Or to say, forgive us is to say, I'm a sinner before you, God, a holy God, and yet you are forgiving. Or to say, lead us not to temptation is to say that on my own, I have a tendency to run right towards that which I shouldn't do. And yet, I'm saying, God, take me by your hand and lead me. And God, when you lead me, you'll never lead me away from life. You'll always lead me to life. That's the picture and the beauty of what we are praying. Hallowed be your name. God, be the goal of our lives. And think about this. I'm going to give you two little sub-points here. You see one on the screen. We desire the greatness of his name. So we desire the greatness of God's name because God's name is great. Look at Psalm 29, 1 and 2. You see it on the screen. It says this, 
Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory that's due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. And please hear me. We must not and we dare not come before this God with a flippant attitude. Yes, we're able to say our Father, meaning God has come near. He is near to us. But may we never forget he is our Father in heaven, meaning he is transcendent. He is above us more than we could ever imagine. May God, even in this very moment, deliver us all from small thoughts concerning him. May God deliver us from small thoughts concerning him. In the words of Pastor Ray Pritchard, he said this, God is in heaven, seated with authority, power, dominion, and greatness. Yet we are on earth and are therefore limited to this little ball of dirt floating around the sun in a little corner of a big galaxy called the Milky Way. And this galaxy is just one of millions of galaxies in all the universe so huge that we cannot accurately measure it. To say that we are on earth is to admit that we pray from a position of weakness and comparative insignificance. God is in the seat of authority and power. But praise be to God, God who is in the seat of authority and power, hear this, cares for us. Cares for us. Cares for every need in our lives. Listen, every time you and I, every time our thoughts, our thoughts fall short of God, we are taking God's name in vain. We don't just take God's name in vain with the words that we speak. We take God's name in vain when we think thoughts about him that aren't worthy of him. When you have tried to create God in your own image and you say things like, my God would never do that, you are taking the Lord's name in vain because God does exactly what his word says he will do. Read it. It's amazing to me the people that says, my God would never do that. I'm like, have you ever read the Bible? Like, have you ever read it? Like, have you ever read it from beginning to end? Because that very thing that you said God wouldn't do, he did it. Like, he did it. Just read the word of God. Let's not take his name in vain by trying to create God in our image when God has created us in his. And we should never address him in a casual manner. So Jesus is teaching us to pray that God's name would be holy. Meaning God calls your name to be hallowed. Calls your word to be trusted. Cause your displeasure to be feared. Cause your commands to be obeyed and cause your name to be glorified in my life. Here's what I believe. Many or periodically in our lives, we need to do a, a systems check where we need to pause and we need to look at our lives, our interests, our ambitions, our pursuits, and we need to ask ourselves this question. Are all of those things for the glory of God? Or can I write, hallowed be your name, over that? And I can't stand up here as your pastor and say that every area of my life and every moment I can do that. Praise be to God for the spirit of God that when I'm off, he checks me. And when I miss him, I have a wife who will check me or a mom who will check me. Somewhere Kelly's shaking her head, my sister saying, she, she's got it as well. Sometimes Kelly says to God, God, I can handle him. And she does very, very well. But God will do that in our, in our lives. But think about this. Are there areas in your life where you can't write hallowed be your name over it? Oh, that God would help us to write that 
over our lives, over the life of this, his church. And then we would expand that even greater to say, hallowed be your name among those who don't know you. Hallowed be your name among our persecuted brothers and sisters all throughout the world. Hallowed be your name in, in anguish and loss and difficulty. Even hallowed be your name in places where evil seems to flourish. We think about the horrific events that happened in our city yesterday. It's hard to say, God, hallowed be your name. Like how, how can God be honored in that? But brothers and sisters, he can. He can be honored because the light of God shines the brightest amidst the darkness of evil. The darkness of this evil world. We desire the greatness of God. And then secondly, we are declaring the goodness of his name. Our God is good. He is good. So the goodness of his holy name is being exalted and serving every other portion of our lives. So nothing is more clear or unshakable in the Bible than the fact that our God is good. And he is good. As Proverbs 19.10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Or as Psalm 9, 9 and 10 says on the screen, the Lord is a stronghold in times of trouble. And here is the verse over this whole series. And those who know your name put their trust in you. That's the verse over this whole series on the names of God. Those who know God's name will trust him more and more and more. And here's the question. Do you want that? Do you want to trust God more today than you did yesterday? Do you want to trust God more tomorrow than you did today? Know his names. I'll tell you why that's important in just a second. But then it says this. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Now, here's what I know. My name is not always good. My character sometimes is even worse. But God's name is altogether good because he is altogether good. Everything about him is good. So when we declare his name, we're not just declaring a title. We're declaring a totality of who he is and forever will be. Therefore, I pray during this series, as we begin to really get into the names next week, as we walk through the series, I pray that we will follow the God-honoring advice of a 17th century Scottish churchman by the name of Ralph Erskine. I'm just going to read this quote from him. and It's kind of long, but just follow with me here. May this be our aim in this series. He says this, He has a name suiting every want and every need. So meaning this, God has a name for every need we'll ever go through. Do you need wonders to be wrought for you? His name is wonderful. Look to him so to do for his name's sake. Do you need counsel and direction? His name is counselor. Cast yourself on him and his name for this. Have you mighty enemies to engage? His name is mighty God. Seek that he may exert his power for his name's sake in your life. Do you need his fatherly pity? His name is everlasting father. As Psalm 103.13 says, As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. Plead his pity for his name's sake. Do you need peace? External, internal, eternal. His name is Prince of Peace. Seek for his name's sake that he may create peace in you. Do you need healing? 
His name is Jehovah Rophi, the Lord who is our healer and our great physician. Do you need pardon? His name is Jehovah Setkanu, the Lord our righteousness. Seek for his name's sake that he may be merciful to your unrighteousness. Do you need defense and protection? His name is Jehovah Nisi, the Lord your banner. Seek for his name's sake that his banner of love and grace may spread over you. Do you need provision and extreme want in your life? Hear this. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who has and will provide. Do you need his presence? His name is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is here and he is there. Emmanuel, God with us, look to him to be with you for his name's sake. Do you need an audience of prayer? His name is the hearer of prayer. Do you need strength? His name is the strength of Israel. Do you need comfort? His name is the consolation of Israel. Do you need shelter? His name is a city of refuge. Have you nothing and need all? His name is all in all. Sit down and understand he has a name for every need. For your supply, he has wisdom to guide you, power to keep you, mercy to pity you, truth to shield you, holiness to sanctify you, righteousness to justify you, grace to adorn you, and glory to crown you. Trust in his name who saves for his name's sake. And let me say this, if that is true of God, and we are here today saying that it is, why would we not want his name to be hallowed? Why would we not want his name to be treated as holy in our midst, in the life of this, his church, and in this world? We are about to enter a worthwhile journey through the word, immersing ourselves in his name, in his names. And may we understand those who know his name will put their trust in in closing today, I want to ask you to stand. In just a second, we're going to ask the band to come forward. But I want to end our time together by reciting the Lord's Prayer. And I know that the Lord's Prayer, Jesus didn't say, pray this prayer. Jesus said, pray like this. But even praying these words with humility, with honesty of heart, saying, this is what I want. God hears and he answers. So we're going to say this prayer together, and then I'm going to pray and the band's going to come forward and we're going to enter, the, enter to this time of invitation and consecration. But the words are on the screen for those who have memorized it in every version of the Bible like me that sometimes get them all confused so we can say it all together the same way. If you can join me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever father we just come before you and lord we want your name to be hallowed father i pray for any in this room or any watching online that has never trusted you as their Savior and Lord. That is the ultimate picture of hallowing your name, is that, Lord, them being saved for your name's sake. I pray if any, or under the sound of my voice, have never 
turn from their sin, turn from trusting in themselves, and turn to you, Jesus, alone as Savior and Lord, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, I also just pray, God, that you would just move in the hearts and lives today that we would say, Lord, we want to trust you more. Therefore, this is a beneficial thing for us to walk through. And each week, Lord, may we just pray, God, hallowed be your name in that area. Hallowed be your name in that name, Lord. Hallowed be your name. May that name, may you, your name, Lord, just be treated as holy in my life, in my family's life, in the life of this, your church, in this city, in this nation, in this world. Cause your name to be hallowed. Finish this time. Lord, we finish this time with gratitude in our hearts for who you are, for what you have done. We have so much to be thankful to you for. Finish this time in Jesus' name. Amen.